Thanks so much for listening to No Lions Here with me, Big Panda. Hey guys, welcome to No Lions Here. I'm Big Panda and I'm a recovering sex addict. Uh, so today I'm going to kind of get a little bit more into treatment um, and then kind of I had a had an experience uh, this past weekend um, from a tool that I had kind of forgotten about that I had learned in treatment um, that was actually really powerful for me. Um, and it, it ties into kind of something that I learned the first couple days um, in treatment. So basically what I'm going to do today, I've got my notebook in front of me. I'm going to go through some of my notes. Um, so it might sound a little choppy. Uh, my notes were kind of scribbled fast and at times I have trouble reading my own handwriting. Um, and again, man, while I was in there, there was just, there was so much going on in my head and especially in the first few days, the first few days were absolutely nerve wracking. Um, one, I don't do well sitting still for more than 30 minutes. I can't sit through a work meeting at work the last 15 minutes without nodding my head. Um, so that was honestly, that was a big fear of mine going into it was, man, I'm just going to fall asleep. Um, and there was one day that I actually did, and uh, the head counselor, Matt, actually threw a dry erase marker at me. Um, not hard, but he kind of tossed it my way, and um, – of course, I tried to catch it. Um, I don't think I caught it, um, but it did wake me up. And there are other things that we did that, that they kind of did to help keep us awake. But that was definitely, you know, you add you add nerves into it. Um, and also learning that, you know, tiredness is a sign of kind of me going into this disassociated state of wanting to numb myself out um, and, and get away. That's kind of my... That's a definitely a um, a flight response for me is is I just want to just um, I'm get tired I want to go to bed and I, I want to get out of that situation uh, because that's uncomfortable for me. Um, so talking about feelings, one of the things that they gave us when we got there was called the feeling wheel. And to me, anytime I bring up this feeling wheel, I always kind of giggle about it a little bit because to me it just it, it it's not silly at all. It's not silly at all, and it's been a very, actually a very, very useful tool that I use every single day of my life right now, um, and I have used it every day in the last six, seven months. Um, but you know, thinking about it and the way that I was raised, we didn't talk about our feelings. Um, so now I, I walk around with a feeling wheel that it just it just seems kind of silly, um, but again, it's actually a really, really useful tool, and, and I'll bring it in next time. Um, and kind of break it down a little bit for you because it it has like the, the like the five major feelings in there: fear, uh, sadness, anger. Uh, there's feeling powerful, joyful, um, and then there's all these different offshoots of it. Um, and basically, what we would do is we would pick out three feelings the first thing in the morning. We'd all go around the room and we'd pick out three feelings. And um, it's been such a great tool for me because it it's shown me that I can feel conflicting things at once. Um, I can feel discouraged and also hopeful um, at the same time, and those are those are two of the ones that that I felt kind of kind of quite a bit over these last um, few months, and those kind of seem to pop up pretty regularly for me. Just so, just one being able to pinpoint exactly how I feel exactly how I feel. And then that way I'm able to kind of accept it and feel that 
And they taught us that, you know, the biggest thing for me is I have to feel my feelings. I, I went 30 plus years without feeling my feelings or, or being afraid of my feelings when, when my feelings aren't going to hurt me. Um, one of the terms they, they used was there's no lions here, um, which means any feelings that I have, whether they be good or bad, mainly, mainly bad for me, um, I thought that they were like a threat on my life. Um, and that any, any, any kind of conflict in my life, um, whether it had to do with me or not, I, I, it, in my brain made it out to be, um, a life or death situation. Um, so one of the big things that they said was, look, there's no lions here. Uh, meaning I am not in any physical danger. Um, my feelings are not going to kill me. Um, and so that was that was really big. So that's kind of where the inspiration came from for naming the podcast um, was there's no lions here. There's no lions here. Um, and that my feelings, it's okay to feel what I'm feeling and that they're not going to kill me. Um, so we'd pick out three feelings um, and then, you know, we'd talk about them and, and we learned to to just um, sit in those sit in those feelings, feel those feelings, and that if we do that, those those feelings will eventually pass. Um, and that there's also ways of, there's there's deeper things that those feelings mean. Um, so if I'm lonely, for instance, okay, so if I'm lonely, uh, what is something that I can do for myself that can get me, that can, can, can give me that, that nurturing or that intimacy that I need? Um, and that's, you know, hanging out with friends, doing something kind for myself, being there for myself, doing something that I want to do, treating myself. Uh, but again, for me, the, the biggest thing has been, you know, being with people that love and support me and know who I am, know who I am. They know my full story. They knew what I've been through. And at the end of my story, they were like, yeah, Tana, thank you. Thank you. I, I want to be there for you. Uh, call me anytime. You know that's that's the support uh, that I need when I'm feeling lonely, for instance. Um, so basically, so sex addiction. Um, again, getting into the notes here, uh, sex addiction starts as an infallible attempt to regulate an unregulated or out of control atomic nervous system, um, and. The trauma is the culprit of an unrelated ner- ner- nervous system. Sex addiction is not about the sex. Um, and that's kind of what I think that's the biggest misconception about sex addiction is that, you know, addiction is a primary chronic disease of the brain. Um, and that addiction is a brain disorder and not a moral failing. Um, an orgasm is the largest dopamine hit that you can get. Uh, naturally, without bringing in outside causes. So, of course, a lot a lot of people are are, are exposed to pornography um, at a very early age. I know that I was. I remember the first time I ever saw um, a porno magazine. We were it was in the backyard of where I lived. I was living in England at the time, um, and it was like crumpled up. It was like one page. It was crumpled up, and we we pulled it out, and we had a, we had a friend over and. He was the one that told us, oh, that's a porno. Um, and and I don't remember seeing, there was no nudity in it at all, um, but it was a scantily dressed, scantily dressed woman. Um, and that felt good. That felt good to me. Um, so anytime I was in a place and then at a very early age, I figured out what masturbating was. Um, and again, that felt so good. 
it felt so good and so wrong at the same time. Um, and so anytime I'm in a bad spot, you know, that's my brain would take me there. Okay, well, hey, we know something that we can do to make ourselves feel better and kind of help us escape for that moment. Um, and that's all that it ever was, you know, just a moment um, of escape, um, followed by shame. Shame is then what kept me in that addictive cycle. Um, basically, I, I would have a failure, I would act out, and then shame would come in. And then because of that shame, I would then go back to, well, I'm a failure. So if I'm a failure, I might as well just keep acting out then because that's at least some kind of escape for me that, that I know works. Um, and so it's just, it's just a vicious cycle that, that, that keeps going and going and going. And there's so many different off ramps that we have to get out of that addictive state. And because of treatment now, I'm kind of, I see those red flags. I know when my brain is going to these places of, okay, Hey, I need to get out of this. Um, you know, I need to make a phone call. I need to do some reading prayer, you know, whatever, whatever tool that I need that day, I've got them at my disposal now. Um, and, the scary part about it is, is there's times where I'm in that addictive state where I'll just, I'll blow right past those off ramps. Um, and I'll decide not to take them. I guess in that point, I, I feel that the pain is too, that the pain is too much. Um, and the shame is too much talking about even going to these places in my mind. Um, so at that point in a young age with sex being the first thing that I was really introduced to is what led to the addiction. Um, and honestly, I remember it was about was, by looking at I'm almost to my day three journal, which means this was probably day two that I had this this light bulb just went off that you know when they were talking about addiction as a brain disorder and not a male moral failing. I always thought that was like the first time in my life that I had this aha, like I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. I've done some bad things. I've done some shitty things. I've hurt people. Um, absolutely. I've hurt people. I've hurt myself, but I'm not a bad person. And that's what shame is. Shame is guilt is the, I mean, I, I hurt somebody. Uh, but the shame is, is I'm a bad person and I'm not a bad person. And for the first time in my life, I've been able to say that and truly believe that, uh, before I couldn't say that about myself at all. Um, the things I was doing, just did not make me feel like a bad person. It felt like it was all my morals. Um, and that was one of the reasons why I felt like I could never talk about it because people are just going to judge me. People are going to judge me. They're going to think I'm a bad person um, for whatever I was doing. Um, so that shame piece is, is pretty big for me, that feeling of not enough, rejection. Um, those are huge for me. Those are real old tapes that have been just ingrained in my brain. Um and then what I go to time and time again, even to this day, even in recovery. And I know that I haven't been in this a real long time, and this is going to be a lifelong battle for me. Um, and I'm still, no matter where I'm at in my sobriety, I'm still going to battle those things. And with recovery comes the tools uh, to get me out of those places and to get me feeling like I'm a, I am a good person and that I am loved, uh, regardless of my addictions. And the, one of the things they talked about was the reduction of shame. You know, I did this to regulate, not because I'm defective. Again, going back to I am a good person. I've, I've done some bad things. Um, and I'm trying to right those wrongs. Um, trying to right the wrongs. And, and you know, I, Patricia, I, I want to make things up to her so badly. And in my mind, that's the form of getting back and showing her, hey, 
I'm, I am a safe person. I'm, I was hurting and this is how I knew how to deal with it. Um, and I don't know if I'm ever going to get that chance. So one of the things that I have to do is, is called what's called, you know, a, a living amends. Um, basically I don't, I don't, the way that I make it up to her without ever talking to her ever again, the way that I make it up to her is that I don't hurt anybody else the way that I hurt her. And that's really tough because I don't, I don't see myself with anybody, with anybody else other than her. And that's, it's really hard because I don't know if I'm going to get that opportunity or not. And that's a really hard, that's a really hard pill to swallow. And I have to swallow that pill every single day, every single day. And it's been eight months since the breakup, almost nine months. And this month's October is a tough, going to be a tough month for me. Um, October would have been our three year anniversary. And, you know, there hasn't been much communication. Um, hasn't been much communication at all. Um, there's been some here and there. Um, this last week after she told me about uh, her kid's father's dying, uh, you know, we, we texted for about six solid days. And it felt really good. You know, there was a peace that came over me. Um, you know, she definitely made me feel valued. And then she just ghosted me. Um, and I completely understand. I completely understand. I'm not, I'm not using that term and, oh God, she ghosted me. No, I, I understand why she's, why she's, you know, she's leaning in and leaning out. Um, and that's something that happens with betrayed partners, um, of this addiction is, is they, 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 they lean in, they lean out. Um, and so that's a pill that I have to swallow. And that's something that I battle with every single day. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about her multiple times or her boys um multiple times a day um and this ties, ties right into it was you know i i didn't choose addiction however i am 100 percent accountable for the damage i have caused while addicted um and that goes down to they taught us that we have to hold two truths um i am a victim of trauma now i have become a perpetrator of trauma um, and that it's okay. I can hold those two truths. Like, yes, I was a victim. Absolutely. I was dealt a hand when I shouldn't even have been sitting at the table playing the game, but yet I was still dealt this hand that I am now dealing with. Uh, and we'll have to deal with for the rest of my life. Um, and then as I got older, I, the tables turned. And I was the one dealing hands to people that shouldn't have been sitting at the table. Uh, and that's hard. Um, one of the other things that they taught us to do was replace but with and. So that's, I really try to, I really try not to use the word but. Um, if you're a fan of Game of Thrones, Ned Stark, I believe, says at one point in time, don't believe anything that somebody says before the word but. And there's so many instances where like it, that kind of ties together and it, it makes sense to me. Um, so I really try to take but out of my vocabulary and use the word and, which was really hard at first because uh, sometimes it doesn't flow. 
Um, and and I'm trying to and I'm trying to do that. I almost used the word but there. And I'm trying to do that on a daily basis. I'm trying to incorporate that into my life, and it it has worked out. And there's absolutely been times where didn't sound right. It was the right thing to say. The other big thing is empathy for myself. Um, if I don't have it for myself, then I won't have it for others either. Um, and the whole self kind of finding myself through all of this is, has been really difficult. There's, there's absolutely aspects and times where I feel very proud of myself, very proud of myself. I believe in myself. Uh, can't say that I fully love myself. And I know that again, this is all work in progress, uh, and that I'll get there one day. And I'm seeing those glimpses, seeing those glimpses in, there's this, this there's this shadow over me um, from the breakup and the pain that I caused that it's hard for me to hold on and to grasp the victories and the hope that I have in myself. I, there's absolutely times where I feel that way, especially after meetings. I feel very charged up and really good and really proud of myself. And then in an instant, it can just that can all go away and I'll have thoughts of maybe something that I did, uh, maybe a lie that I told. Um, and that that's, that's trying to pull me back in by making me feel like a piece of shit when I'm not a piece of shit. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Um, I've just done some bad things and now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to right those wrongs. Um, so through the model uh, basically, with the traumas and everything that I experienced as a child, I didn't get the attunement that I needed as a child, um, whether that be emotional support, physical support, um, validation from my parents, um, something that I didn't get. And basically, as a child, we look to our caregivers for, you know, they're, they're the ones that are supposed to explain to us, hey, these aren't real threats on your life. Um, again, there's no lions here. Um, and then if we don't get that by about, they said about age 11, if we don't get the proper attunement. Um, and again, you know, is it, this wasn't something to where they were like, okay, guys, your parents were all pieces of shit and they did this to you. They're to blame. So you're going to leave here and hate your parents. That wasn't the message at all. You know, our, my parents did the best that they could with what they had. Um, and so I will never blame, I'll never blame my parents, um, for, for what happened. My dad, that's, that's maybe a different story. My mother, absolutely not. I love my mother. Um, and I'll never blame her. You know, she was doing the best that she had. Um, and I don't blame her for the actions she, that she took. And her and I are working on a relationship, which is huge for me. Because um, I found that the ultimate form of rejection can kind of come from her. And there's been instances over the last few months where she's done things, said things that have made me feel really rejected. Really rejected, really abandoned. And, you know, instead of at the time I, I bottled them up and I just kind of wanted to isolate myself. And then I, I, what I what I've learned to do is I need to circle back and have that conversation. Hey, this is the way it made me feel. This is the way it made me feel. You know, I don't need you to do anything to fix it. 
just know like, hey, this is part of it is just telling somebody how I feel. What they did made me feel a certain way. Doesn't mean what they did was right or wrong. Doesn't mean my feelings are right or wrong. That's what I'm feeling and I'm allowed to feel that. Um, just like they were allowed to do whatever they did and I'm allowed to feel the way that I feel. So I didn't get that attunement as a child. So I remember one day I was, we were in there. Um, again, this was only a couple days in and um, Dr. Michael Barra came in. He was, this is the only day that we met him out of the 14 days I was there. Um, you know, he, he set up the program. He started the program. Uh, he himself was an addict. Um, and so he came in and he just kind of sat there and, and, and he shared something with me. I was very anxious while I was in treatment, a lot of anxiety. And there'd be absolutely times where we'd be sitting there and my anxiety would just well up and I would just start crying or, or want to hold it back and fight it. And, you know, of course the counselors there were very, uh, they, they read us like books, uh, and they knew what they were looking for and they could tell that. And I remember so one day I was just feeling really anxious, um, and they, they picked up on me being anxious and like Dr. Michael Barta was like, Hey, I'm, I want to try something with you. He's like, where, where do you feel these emotions? Cause everywhere our body, our body keeps the score. And that's actually a book. Um, and we, we, our body can actually talk to us and tell us, you know, well, some people will feel stress, tension in their shoulders, um, anywhere else. For me, it's my chest. My chest is where I feel my anxiety. It's where I feel everything. So he asked me, he said, where, Panda, where are you feeling this anxiety at? And I was like, in my chest, in my chest. Um, so he said, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to put your hand on your chest. So I put my hand on my chest. I got my hand on my chest now. And he said, I just want you to acknowledge that you're feeling anxious. You are attuning to yourself right now. Just say it to yourself. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling anxious. Accept that. Accept that feeling. You're holding yourself. Accept that feeling. And eventually it'll pass. So I remember throughout treatment, man, I mean, I was clutching my chest all the time. All the time I was clutching my chest and and it it honestly it, it really helped. It really helped. Part of it was, you know, acknowledging what I'm feeling and being like, hey, it's okay to feel this way. Cause you know, so many times where I've felt a certain way and you you try to you you try to one power through it, two ignore it, um, or do whatever you can to just get away from it. When really all I'm supposed to do is just sit and feel it. I'm supposed to just sit and feel it. Feel it and accept it. I'm feeling anxious. Okay. I'm feeling anxious. I accept that I'm feeling anxious. And anxiety is a big thing for me. Um, and just sitting and accepting it and just kind of, again, attuning to myself. Um, so this last week was... This last week was kind of a roller coaster. Um, there were a lot of... A lot of positive things. I was, you know, me and Patricia were texting. Um, and in the past, you know, we had, we would text and, you know, anytime I would respond to her. Um, and there, there's a there's kind of a process that I, that I have to go through um, when responding to her right now. And that is, 
I really need to think about my response. Um, I will go so far as to write out my response, and then I will run it by a couple people, a couple of my trusted friends, whether they be in the program, whether they be my sponsor, um, just to make sure that I don't have any panda hooks in there. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to manipulate her at all. I'm not trying to. I, I wanted my sponsor calls them hooks. I want to make sure that them I'm pulling out all the hooks. So, you know, there were times where I would respond to her, and then it would be days or weeks. Um, at one point in time, a month before I even got anything back from her. Um, and on Wednesday and Thursday, I was getting a response within an hour from her. Um, and we never these are these are long in depth texts. Um, this is just how her and I texted. Uh, we would text each other paragraphs. Um, and it was so funny because at my last job, you know, I'd be sitting there reading these paragraph texts, and somebody would I remember somebody made a comment that like, "Oh, what'd you do? How much trouble are you in?" And I was like, "Wait, no, I'm not in trouble at all. Like, this is literally how we text." Um, and and I, I I cherish that memory with her. Um, I cherish that because we were in constant communication and and we talked about a lot of different things. Um, and just that's just again that's just how we texted. Um, so you know, I, I it was it was funny because I had these just I was so scared. I was so scared that, man, one of my texts, I could text her, and then I could not hear from her for weeks, a month. And that was terrifying, absolutely terrifying for me, Um, because it had happened to me in the past. I had this data that said, eventually, Panda, she is just going to stop responding to you. Um, And that was something that I had to live with, you know, and I had to take it. One day at a time, and I remember last week, um, one of my brothers from treatment told me, he's like, hey, man, like, okay, well, that hasn't happened yet. That hasn't happened yet, so don't worry about it. Don't worry about it until it happens, and if it happens, you're going to be okay. You've been through it before. You're going to be okay. Um, so that's definitely a, a struggle of mine is I want to be in communication with her. Um, however, it's terrifying when we are in communication. As much as much joy and peace as that brings me. It's also terrifying, absolutely terrifying for me. So, so I got her. Um, my older brother was supposed to come in town uh, this last weekend, which is a lot of anxiety for me because he's not a safe person for me. Um, I stayed with him. He's was not in a place to be there for me the way that I need somebody to be there for me. Um, I stayed with him for a week after I got a treatment uh, since he was in Denver, and. I relapsed two days out of treatment. I relapsed with drugs and sex. Two days out of treatment. Um, does the world just hit me real hard. And I'll get into that story uh, later on when I get into treatment. But needless to say, he's kind of got some of his own issues going on that he's got to resolve. I've, I need to focus on myself. And one day I really do hope that, and I believe that we will be able to to come together and, and have a, a better relationship than we've ever had. Um, so he was coming in town. He, I didn't even hear from him. I heard from my mom. She's the one that told me he was coming. So I was kind of like prepping myself up for that, kind of rebuilding my walls around him. Um, and then on top of that, the last month I've been trying to date, I've been trying to date, was 
seeing a, a couple girls and and then I broke things off with one and then this other one I was kind of going out with and we we hadn't had sex yet. That was a big thing for me is going into dating whenever I do eventually get there again is, you know, I have to be honest with who I am and my addiction before I can be physical with somebody else. Um, and I told her, and that was really hard. I mean, how do you tell somebody you're a sex addict? I mean, there's there's definitely some taboo stuff around sex addiction. Um, you know, people could think you're a pedophile, um, you know, a rapist, a monster. And, you know, those were none of my things. Um, but, you know, sex, sex addiction is not really talked about a whole lot. So um, people can kind of have some skewed perceptions on, on what it actually is um, and what it means to have to be a sex addict. So I remember I told her, and that was hard in itself. And then what really scared me was, you know, I don't have a choice as far as being an addict or not. I don't get that choice. Um, but anybody who wants to be in my life in an intimate way, and when I say intimate, I don't mean physically. Um, they taught us, that was another thing that taught us in, in treatment is all of us, that were there have basically lacked any kind of intimate relationship in our life, our whole life. Um, and an intimate connection is, you know, spiritually, mentally, yes, absolutely physically uh, with partners. Um, but even just with my own friends and even since everything went down, me and my friends, my core group of friends have gotten only closer because now we have a true intimate connection because I have shared who I am and they have been there and they've supported me. And that, that's been huge. Um, and realizing that it's not as scary with some people as I thought it was going to be. Um, now, with new people, again, the, people have a choice whether they want to be in my life or not. You know, I don't get to choose if I'm an addict or not, but other people absolutely get to choose. They get to make that decision. And in my addiction, I wanted to control how you, I wanted to control whether you're in my life or not, even if you didn't want to be in it. I, I wanted to be the one with the final say. Um, so the fact that I'm not trying to control people's perceptions of me, um, or at least not as bad as I was, the fact that I came out and I talked about it, you know, that was huge for me. And, and, and you know, she was on board, and I remember we talked about it one night, and then we were texting, and she was like, you know, I definitely have some other questions for you, and that scared me. Like, that, that brought me back to, okay, well, um, she's got the choice. Um, and it's, she's going to be like, you know what? I don't, I don't really know you that well. So have a good life. And that would have absolutely been understandable. It would have been understandable for anybody in my life right now to do that. And so, and at that point in time, you know, there were a lot of red flags. Um, I'm still clearly emotionally tied to Patricia. Um, so dating, I just was like, you know what? Dating's not the best thing for me right now. I don't need to be doing this. It's not fair to these other people um, that I'm still. Because if Patricia called me tomorrow and was like, "Hey, I want to work things out," guess what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna jump on that boat. Not even ask any questions. I'm gonna jump on that boat and say I'm talking to somebody, and, and I get that call. Oh, I'm just, just, yeah. That person's out the window. Patricia came back. Um, so. Realizing that, realizing that, I kind of 
talking to my friends, talking to my therapist, you know, the right move was to break things off. Um, again, it just wasn't the situation that I needed to be in. Um, so that was terrifying too. Because uh, in the past, what I would do is I would just ghost somebody. It was easier for me just to ghost somebody and deal with possibly running into them and then being like, you're an asshole. Okay, whatever. I, I could deal with that. I could not deal with a confrontation, air quotes, that came with breaking things off with somebody. I just, that was, that was terrifying to me. It was absolutely terrifying. So, you know, going into Friday, I, I knew that, I knew that I needed to break things off. However, I had all these other things going on that I was like, well, you know, in my mind, I'm trying to justify it. Um, I'm trying to justify it. And um, me and my producer were talking tonight about, you know, making deals with ourselves in our brain to to live in this addiction. And in this sense, my mind was going, Panda, you got all this other stuff, you got all this other heavy stuff going on. Seeing this person is not the worst thing that you're doing. You're, you've been open, you've been honest. Um, so let's just, let's keep that in our back pocket, man. Let's, let's, you know what? That's not a terrible situation. I mean, it wasn't a situation that I necessarily wanted to be in and a lot of red flags and, you know, there was all this excitement leading up to hanging out with this person. But then when I got there and hung out with him, I was like, all right, when can I go home? Um, I want to go home. Um, so I was like, why would I? I got all these other heavy things going on. Why do I want to break something off that is quote unquote good? Um, or at least in my mind, I was making it out to be better than it was to justify not breaking things off with this person. Um, so in talking with my friends and therapists last week, I was like, you know what? That's the right move. The right move is to break things off with this person. I don't need to be in this. So I remember, you know, Thursday night, Thursdays is when I meet with my counselor, one of my counselors. I'm seeing two right now. And, you know, she's asked the therapist. A good therapist will ask questions that you don't want to hear. You don't want to answer. And that's how I've always known. All right, you're good. Um because they bring up these thoughts. They make you think about things the way you don't want to think about them. Um, but you need that other thought um, to kind of to kind of get you to the right place. So, you know, she not that she was pressuring me at all, but she just kind of, you know, I think that this is the right move for you, man. I really don't think that I think that I think the right move here is to to break things off um, and that you're going to be happier about it in the long run. I bet it's going to be a relief for you. So then I talked to one of my other buddies, and he's like, yeah, man, you just need to rip off the Band-Aid. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't know how to do that. So I remember Thursday night, I kind of I, I didn't respond. She had texted me earlier in the day, and I just didn't respond. I have all this other stuff going on that last part of my – the last thing I was thinking about was responding to her. So she knows I, she knows I'm in therapy. She knows what I'm going through. I texted her, and I was like, hey, look, I'm not – Sorry, I haven't gotten back to you tonight. Had a pretty heavy therapy session, just kind of in processing mode. Um, I was like, I'll text you tomorrow. And I remember I woke up Friday and and I prayed. I said, God, I, you know, help me out, help me with the situation, guide me in the situation, help me here. Um, I know what I need to do. And the whole time, I'm fighting. Friday, I'm fighting. I'm in a, I'm not in a good place. I hadn't heard from Patricia, which in its own self can really, really mess with me. Um, 
And so I'm like, I, I was telling my friend at work, I was like, I don't want to go hang out with this person, but I want to go hang out with this person. What I was really was lacking was I was lacking intimacy. That's what That was the need that I had. I wanted intimacy. And so what I was going to do was we haven't had sex yet, but I believe that if we would have hung out Friday night, that would have happened. And so I was replacing intimacy in that moment with sex. Yes, sex is part of intim- about intimacy, but it's not the full intimacy package that I'm looking for or that I need right now. Um, so, of course, my 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 attic brain, I was uh, hanging out with this person, having sex with that was intimate to me. And so, oh well, I need intimacy. Well, perfect, I've got it right here. I can just follow through with the plans that I made and be good. And then it breaking off those plans made me feel like a bad person. Um, I don't like being ditched the day the day of, whether it be my friends. I don't I don't like that. So what's it gonna do to this person? I don't want to hurt this person at all. Um, by backing out day of. Um, so I I hadn't texted her and she texted me in the morning and was like, "Hey, you alive?" And I was like, "Yeah, um, I'm alive. I'm functioning. I'm I'm sober. Um, sorry, I just got a lot on my mind, which you know was not a lie. I did. I had a lot of stuff on my mind and." She said, well, hey, you know, okay, do we need to uh, rain check tonight? And I'm just like, my prayers are kind of almost being answered here. Um, It took kind of the legwork and me feeling like I'm letting this person down. Um, So I truly believe that that was an, an intervention from my higher power, kind of helping me work into this situation. So I said, yeah, hey, you know, uh, prop, I probably do. Uh, can I call you after work? And so basically what I, that day I was going to text her and be like, Hey, you know, something came up, can't hang out tonight. Is it a cool if I call you later? Um, well in return, which was a terrifying text for me to send, um, in return, I believe my higher power kind of stepped in and she was like, Hey, should we postpone tonight? And I, that was my chance to be like, yes, I will call you after work. She said, okay, cool. Have a great day. All day long, I'm again, I'm going back and forth. At one point in time, I was like, well, I'm going to go through with it. I don't really want to. I know kind of what it's going to make me feel like on the other side, but you know what? Damn it. I want to run from these confusing feelings that I'm feeling. Confusing, so confusing. Um, you know, one of my reasons was my older brother was going to be home Friday night. And if I would have gone and hung out with this person, I could have just spent the night there, hadn't spent the night there yet. And I could have spent the night there and gotten out of the house that night. So, and that was one of the reasons what I gave my therapist was, well, get out of the house. It gives me a, gives me, gives me a place to go. Um, in reality, that wasn't a place I wanted to go at all. So I got off of work, got home, and man, I'm like, I'm like shaky nervous, right? Because I know that I need to make this call. I know that I have to do this. And I'm like, I pep talking myself, just do it, just do it. Come on, man, just do it. Just do it. Like, I remember I was on the phone with one of my buddies, and he was like, man, this is crazy. I'm listening to you hype yourself up for this. And I was like, that's exactly what I'm doing right now because that's what I need. Um, So I'm hyping myself up, hyping myself up. And at that point in time, I knew I wasn't going to hang out with this person. So there was definitely some there was some relief there immediately from like, okay, we don't need to go do this. And, and at that point in time, I was one of my, one of my good buddies – um, Mowgli is what I call him. Um, we had talked the night before. Um, 
And I had said, hey, man, you know, what do you got going on tomorrow night? Uh, I want to hang out with you. I need to be with somebody. Um, and he was like, yeah, man, absolutely. So I called him after work Friday. He's like, hey, let's go get dinner. I said, all right, cool, man. I'm going to go home, spend about an hour just kind of putzing around the house. Uh, and then let's go to dinner. Let's hang out. That'll be good for me. You know, that's that intimacy that I needed, that nurturing that I needed from from a trusted friend. And so we got off the phone. 15 minutes later, he calls me back. And he says, hey, Panda, man, look, I, I got some stuff going on with my wife. I really, she's having a bad day. I need to be there for her. I can't, I, I can't go out. And the, the first thing that happened to me in that instance was, I was able to be there for him. He had been there for me for so many months um, in a way that words can't describe how thankful and grateful I am for his friendship. And in that moment, it wasn't about me anymore. And in the past, I would have gotten upset with him. It's like, dude, we made plans. You know where I'm at. You know I'm in a tough spot. We made plans and yet you're going to ditch on me? And externally, if that was the case internally at that point in time, I would have never said anything externally because I would have felt like a really shitty person for doing that, being like, oh, well, screw what you got going on. What about what I got going on? And outwardly, I was able to be there for him. Inwardly, inside, I was able to be there for him. I felt for him. I felt that. I felt what he was going through. Um, I cried. And that was like, really, really powerful for me because in the past I would have made it all about myself. It would have been all about me. Woe is me. Oh, I don't get to go hang out with somebody tonight. Oh man, I'm, oh, nobody loves me. And I didn't feel like that at all. And this was like, and that felt really good. We got off the phone and I remember just like laying back on my bed, just feeling this relief of like, oh man, like I got to be there for him. I got to be there for him in a time of need. Sure, he wasn't crying on my shoulder or or anything like that, but I was able to, to understand and to be there for him and to not take it personally at all. Um, and that felt really good. And then, like, honestly, like, that that gave me a little bit of a pep in my step. And I was like, all right, well, so what are we going to do? What can I do for myself tonight? I've got a free night now. What can I do for myself tonight that, I'm going to get some enjoyment out of. I'm going to get some fulfillment out of. How can I be there for myself right now? And in getting into recovery, um, another tool that they taught us was our three circles. And I'm, I may have talked about them. I may not have. If I have, I apologize. Actually, yeah, I'll talk about them again. I don't care. Um, my middle, my inner circle is my acting out behavior. Um, so for me, that's porn, masturbating to porn, um, sex outside of a committed relationship, um, and lying about my addiction. So those things, if I do any one of those things, I relapse. And I have to reset my sobriety date. So then I have a middle circle, which is a slippery slope for me. Doing these activities doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not sober, but I'm I'm in a place. I'm in a place that if I don't do something, if I don't take some kind of ramp to get off, I'm eventually going to end up, it's circling the drain. I'm going to end up in that drain and I'm going to end up relapsing, Um, which for me can be uh, social media. I've been off social media since January uh, with no intent of returning. Um, Social media, um, 
objectifying strangers, missing meetings, missing therapy, um, you know, not staying connected. Um, these are all kind of warning signs for me. If I'm doing these things, it means I'm in a bad place and that I need to do something to get myself out of it. And then there's my outer circle, which is all healthy behaviors for me, therapy, meetings, um, cutting the grass, walking the dog, um, reading my Bible, praying, um, all good, healthy stuff. So one of my things is fishing. Um, and it's very ironic how I got into fishing because Patricia's family was big into fishing. And I actually caught my very first fish at 30 years old uh, with her on a little baby blue kid's pole. It was a bluegill. Um, I still remember to this day the excitement that I had when I caught that fish. Um, and so ironically, I got into fishing from her. And me and some buddies, we go on a, on a trout trip every year. Um, and this year, I got out of treatment, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy a fishing pole. Buy a fishing pole and realizing that fishing for me shuts my brain off. Shuts my, it's a heavy place for me. It shuts my brain off. I don't think about, I can think about what's going on in my life, but it's not overwhelming to me. Um, I'm more or less focused on the water. I'm focused on the water. I'm focused on feeling if I'm feeling a bite. If you know whatever I gotta do, that's and then and then the 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 rush that I get when I get a fish hooked on it and reel it in. Um, so it's very ironic how this activity came from her, but yet isn't necessarily a trigger for me. Uh, it's actually it's not a trigger at all for me. Uh, it's something that is very peaceful for me and kind of gets me out of my own head. Um, so I was laying on bed and I was like, you know what? I ain't been fishing in a few weeks. Um, I love night fishing or at least sundown fishing. That's when the fish bite. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go fishing. Um, so I remember driving and, uh, my, 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 the place where I normally fish is about 12, 15, 20 minutes away from me. So, um, I was in the car and I'm driving and man, I was just crying, just crying. I just, I wanted to be held wanted to be held so bad you know there's that again going back to I, I was I wanted intimacy I wanted intimacy I wanted I wanted intimacy that's what I needed um, and nurturing and it popped me back to that day of treatment to where I learned how to attune to myself I placed my hand on my chest <laughs> and there's times where when I hug certain people, I break down. I start crying because the way that they hold me, it just it feels so good. It feels so good because they know who I am, but yet they're still embracing me. And as soon as I put my, I mean, I had a death grip on my chest too. I was holding myself so tightly and I just cried and I just cried and cried and cried and it was so powerful for me, so powerful. I was, I was attuning to myself. I was, I was giving myself the intimacy that I, that I was needing at that point in time. And it was so powerful for me, so very powerful for me that I literally, I held myself the entire rest of the drive. I never let up that death grip until I got to where I was going. And I just kept saying, I got you, man. I got you. I got you. I'm here for you. And that was huge, man. It was so powerful. You know, and 
I went out fishing and <laughs> I didn't fish for very long. Fish weren't biting. The waters were a little rough. Um, and I was like, you know what? I, the last couple times I'd fished out here, I had caught some nice slabs and so I knew where to fish on this, in this particular place to where I had gotten all my bites and I wasn't getting, I wasn't hitting anything. And I was like, you know what? I don't, this trip coming out here right now was not about catching fish. It was about catching myself. I needed to catch myself. And at that point in time, I threw the poles in the car. Um, and I ordered myself a pizza, ordered myself a pizza, um, and went home. And uh, during that trip, I did call this person that I had been seeing and that was tough. And I was like shaking. I was shaking during that call. And, you know, regardless of the red flags, you know, I didn't, I knew that going into it, I wouldn't have to bring those up and that. Basically, it was all attributed to still being emotionally tied to Patricia and didn't even get to that point in the conversation. And, and you know, with this being my first time really doing this, I was expecting there to be this just like long, drawn out, heart to heart conversation about it. And that wasn't it at all. You know, she was at first she was very understanding. And then I talked too much, which then gave her time to kind of let things set in. And then she told me, she said, you know what? Don't fucking tell somebody that you're looking for something if you're not. And at that point in time, instead of getting defensive and being like, well, hey, hold on. To be fair, I was looking for something. It wasn't until I got into something that I realized, okay, this isn't what I need to be doing right now. I was just like, hey, that's fair. She's allowed to, she was allowed to have that point. She was allowed to feel that way. And I said, hey, that's fair. It stung. It really stung, though. Um, Again, not that there were not crazy emotions involved, but just hearing that from somebody just, oh, just, it really, it pierced me. It pierced right through me. And I'm happy with how I handled the situation. And I'm not a bad person because of it. I did everything I did. I did. I went about things the way I was supposed to go about things. And honestly, after that call is a huge relief, huge relief for me and very powerful. A uh, very powerful Friday night for me, and then turns out my older brother did not come in town this weekend. Again, I prayed about that situation, and God was looking out for me there. There's there's something greater at play here, there, and uh, that was really good. And, you know, the the craziest thing about it is, in my mind, breaking things off with this person was almost like a transactional thing between me and my higher power was... Okay, hey, God, I'm supposed to break things off with this person, so what am I going to get in return for doing this? Kind of that instant gratification. I I play hockey, so the next day I had a couple hockey games. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I made the right decision. I'm going to get a shutout in one of my games. Um, or I'm going to break things off with her, and I'm going to hear back from Patricia. She's going to text me back. So... Again, very, very addict of me to think that way because a lot of times it's transactional. I'm, 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 I, why did this for you? What are you going to do for me? When really, this was just something that I needed to do. Um, that's kind of the, 
the difference between instant gratification and happiness. Instant gratification is I expect something now. Because of an action I took, I expect something now. And normally with that instant gratification comes emptiness. That's kind of what my addiction was, was instant gratification. Uh, as soon as I got off, yeah, I felt good. And then it was followed with emptiness. Emptiness. Whereas happiness, you don't get that instant gratification. You don't get that instant gratification. Um, happiness is something that you see is a result of an action, but it's later on down the road. And so right now I'm striving for happiness instead of instant gratification. So again, in my mind, this was a big transaction for me to make. Okay, hey, God, I did this good thing. How are you going to reward me on the back end? And let me tell you what. I have not heard back from Patricia. I did not get a shutout in either one of my hockey games this weekend. And that's okay. That is okay. I made the right decision when I was supposed to make it. And that's just going to to enforce me to make better decisions as I go on and not expect anything out of it. And not expect, I'm doing it for me because it's the right thing that I need to do at this time. And that I don't need to expect anything out of it. I can't expect anything out of it except for happiness later on down the road. I'm going to leave off with my day three journal from treatment. Um, this is my day three journal. And this is the first time I'm reading it since I wrote it. Day three. Today we went on a beautiful hike. When I laid down last night, my mind wasn't racing. We had eight hours of group therapy and digging into what happens in the brain when we experience trauma as a child. Today was the first day that I didn't feel like a piece of shit and that my addiction was not my fault. I am a victim of trauma. Now I am a perpetrator of trauma. I was really looking forward to my one-on-one session today, but that didn't happen. So I was really disappointed about that, which brought up some anxieties. Tomorrow I have my one-on-one and I'm really excited. I really like the therapists we have. I can tell that they know their shit. On the drive home from clinic, I felt myself shutting down and reverting back to my old ways. And then when I started to talk, I felt like a broken record and had thought, these guys are probably like, shut the fuck up, Panda. We've heard this already. But I talked anyway, and that helped. That helped lift those anxieties. Things are really starting to click for me, and I'm really excited for tomorrow. I just have to be open, vulnerable, and authentic. I'm committed to this process and seeing it through. I was open and shared in our SAA meeting tonight, and that feels so good to share. I have decided to commit to a higher power, which is something I never thought I'd do in this process, but I finally understand that my higher power is just that. It's mine. It's whatever I want it to be. I love you, Panda, and I'm proud of you. Stay committed to the process and everything will work out. What is meant to be will be. Stay strong and keep coming back. I'll see you guys next time. 